Like Pastor Dave said, man, we've had the privilege the past couple months to just evaluate because it's the beginning of the year. And I, I know we've already mentioned it and it's part of it, but I was one of those people who at the beginning of January, I had this list of goals that I had for 2023 and these things I was going to fix and address. And I signed up for these different uh, like challenges and things. And it took probably a week for me to realize my uh, commitment to these challenges was not as strong as I thought it was. Yeah, I signed up for a 10-week fitness challenge. It took a week before I'm crushing a pizza by myself in my apartment. <laughs> I, I signed up for all of these things, and it's just like I fall back into comfort and what's best for me, because, and that's kind of how we're wired. Regardless of how disciplined and strong you are, as humans, we would much rather be comfortable when we turn to what is comfortable, because it's easy. And so as we're going into this 90-day challenge, I want us to be able to set ourselves up for success the best way we can. Because I've had conversations with people where they put themselves out there and they're like, man, I know my will is strong, so you know, I can do this or I can take part in this and I know it's not going to affect me. I'm going to tell you that the idea is not to get as close to the line as we can. The idea is to stay as far away and draw closer to God as we go so that we're not tempted with it. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Daniel, and we're going to bounce around a bit because if we're talking about discipline, if we're talking about resolve, if we're talking about commitment, someone who is willing to follow through and had the day-to-day -day routine and the environment around him to push through, where Daniel is one of those guys. Because I'm sure a majority of us in here know the story of Daniel and the lion's den, and so I'm, I'm not going to have to cover all of that. But there are going to be some things as we enter into this challenge, as we start this new year. And let, let's be fully transparent. As we start this new season with Thrive, because let's face it, we've had some changes in the plans over the past few months. Like if it, for us, we were all excited and God took us in a different direction. And it can be disheartening and it can be discouraging and it can make us feel like, okay, what, God, what are you doing? We thought you were moving. Let me just clear the air. God is still moving. He's still here. He has us where he wants us to be at for this season. And so now the challenge is to see how much we care about it, how much effort we're willing to give him, and how committed to what he's doing in our lives we actually are going to be. And so we're going to start in Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 18. So if you don't know the story of Daniel, I'm going to give you a quick, quick setup. Daniel is a refugee in the country of Babylon. He has been pulled from his home. He has been pulled from his family, from his culture. He is not in the right, in, he is as far away from his comfort zone as he could be. But because Daniel is an upstanding guy, he's smart, he has a lot of things going for him, the king at the time had brought all of these people together, like the cream of the crop, the top tier people, to try to swing them to their culture. Try to adapt them, try to help the transition so that all the other people, they would see that these guys were okay and they were leaning in and taking advantage of what the king offered and thinking that would encourage the other people to do the same. And so Daniel, man, he's put in this prime location because I struggle following what God gives me when it's just a conversation I'm having with somebody on the street. Somebody that really doesn't do anything for me or can cause any harm. Daniel's put in a situation where he is now going to be interacting with the king, the officials. His life is now potentially on the line. And so we're going to the king is now trying to tell them what to eat, what to wear. But we're going to see Daniel's response here starting in verse 8. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself 
with the portion of the king's meat, not with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel in favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath anointed your meat and your drink. For why? Why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall make me endangered my head for, to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, uh, Haniah, I am terrible with names, and with one bad eye, this is a problem. Mishael and Hazara, excuse me if I butchered that. Um, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat the portions of the king's meat, and thou seest deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and provided them the ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So Daniel, right there at the beginning, it says Daniel purposed in his heart. You can't halfway do this. This isn't something that you just get to check off a box and say, I'm going to do it, and it goes easy. Living for Christ is something that is going to be a battle day to day. That's why it refers to it as dying to self every morning. Because our flesh is wired for one thing, and God's standard and his will for our lives is going another. So Daniel is in an environment where his culture around him is telling him to do things. His king is telling him to do things. It would have been so easy for him to blend in. It would have been the safer thing to do. But he chose because he knew how important his relationship with God was that he wasn't going to go there. He said it in his mind. There's no falling back. There's no retreat. There's no plan B. He's set. So if we're going to go through this, if we're going to achieve this challenge, there are some things that we're going to have to do. And number one, then you've got to remember your priorities. Okay? You've got to make the commitment. There are things in our lives right now that you, as soon as I make priorities, things are popping in your mind. Because I know my priorities are askew. I know my priorities are jacked up. And I'm a single 20... Eight-year-old. <clears throat> now, I have, uh, on a side note here, why is it that nobody wants to round up in all the things that benefit me, but when it comes to my age, everyone's okay jumping me to 30 right away? Like, what, what's the... It, side note, sorry. But I'm a single 28-year-old guy who has probably less responsibilities and less things on my mind and on my plate than a lot of you have. A lot of you are parents. A lot of you are <laughs> working with different jobs. You all are married. You all have a lot of responsibilities with it. But I know how easy it is for me to get my priorities out of whack. If God isn't my number one, then everything else is going to fall. Daniel made it clear his priorities were God first above all else. And as we read through this story, man, he was an ideal employee. God opened up doors for him because he strived in every area to honor God with his actions, with his words, and with his deeds. And so not only is he like following it through on this end, but it's something that he carries on daily. It's how he interacted with his co-workers. It's how he interacted with those ahead of him. It was every aspect. If God is not your number one priority, if your relationship with him is not your number one, everything else is going to fall. 
You need that strong foundation. So if you're struggling with, with your family, with your marriage, or with your, uh, my family is a wreck. I'll be honest. We've had a lot of issues over the past couple of years. But if my heart's not right, we're never going to get it fixed. And the moment a challenge comes, we're going to cave because it's comfortable and it's easy. And I'm not purposed enough and focused on it to make it happen. So if we're going to achieve this goal, we got to remember our priorities. Number two, you got to set clear guidelines. You have to set clear boundaries. I kind of hit on this a second. But if you know your weak areas, if you know where you're struggling, if you know where your challenges are, your temptations are, and what is going to cause you to slip, it's going to sound really simple, but I know it's not. Don't go there. Don't be in the place where it's around. Don't take part in the activities that you know are going to trip you up. And if you have, some, like I had to go through and write out the guidelines and boundaries that I'm putting in my life. Not so I'm just sitting there with a long list of things on my wall. It's so that when I am challenged, when I am struggling, I can look back and I have that to fall back on of saying, okay, I already have agreed to this. This is what I'm committed to. This is how I'm going to respond. And so there's no wiggle room. There's no gray area. I know how I'm going to respond because it's based on God's word. I know myself. And let, let's be real. It's challenging for us to want to put those limits on because we want control. For a lot of our boundaries, for a lot of things that God calls us to do, it seems radical. It seems unnecessary. It seems over the top. It seems like it is controlling, like God is not giving us freedom. I don't want control on a lot of things. I want it when it's beneficial to me. I don't want to be the head pastor of Thrive Church. I'll let you know that right now. He's got so much on <laughs> He's got so much happening. I don't want those responsibilities. I don't want those challenges. We want the perks of having control, but we don't want to deal with the aftermath and the actual challenges of it. And so when we look at what God's given us, it's not to cause us harm or trip us up. It's to make us better. It's to guide us in the path he wants us to be in. And it's not always fun. And it's not always the best thing to, to go through or enjoy. It's humbling when you have to recognize, okay, I'm not as strong as I think I am. And so I got to trim some things out. It's not as comfortable or enjoyable when we happen to evaluate and say, yeah, that's fun. But is it God honoring? You guys have to make the decision of what you are going to do as individuals. You guys are going to have to make the decisions as families. You all are having to put this down of, as a family. This is how we're going because this is based on God's word. And this is how we're going to move forward. So number one, you got to remember your priorities. Number two, you got to set clear guidelines. And number three, this is the big one for me. Don't stop. We're getting ready to start this 90-day challenge. And I feel like a lot of us will be all gung-ho about it for 90 days. And then when we get to the checkoff mark and we get to say we completed it, now we can go back to normal because we, we proved we could do it. And we can just leave it at that. God doesn't call us to short-term service. He calls us to a lifetime commitment. Okay? We're not put on this timeline of, okay, I need you in ministry here. I need you to do this. But at this time, you're able to cut loose and do your own thing. No, when we decide to follow Jesus, it is from that point on. 
We're at his service. We are on his timeline. It's his plan, not ours. Yet, we, I, couple, oh, this is going to be tough for me to share. When I moved to Columbus a couple years ago, I was at the spot where I was burnt out with ministry. Like I had been at a camp for two years straight. And because of the schedule, you don't get to go to church regularly. Like we were having camp every weekend. We worked during the week. So I wasn't able to get connected to an actual church. But all the time, I'm putting out spiritually, so we're dealing with all the emotional stuff going on with our campers. We're preaching, we're showing God's love, we're doing our best, but I wasn't able to get refueled. And so after a couple of years of that, I, I was like done. I was like, God, I've given you everything I got. I got nothing left in the tank. I just need to take a step back. And so I pulled back from ministry, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be just one of those people who came to church on Sunday, just blended in the back, and then that was the whole point of my, my involvement. The whole level of my involvement was I stayed in the back, blended in, I, everyone knew that I was a decent person, but I didn't have to step out or hold myself to a higher standard because of it. And God took me through a lot to get me back on track. And so as I look at where I'm at now, with Thrive, with the worship team, even just standing up here, take this as encouragement that no matter how many times you've stopped, God hasn't written you off yet. But he's challenging you to be consistent and push through those times because he's going to show you things that you did not think were possible. And in the story of Daniel, this is, an, this is probably one of the best scenarios you're going to get from it. But number one, remember your priorities set clear guidelines, and don't stop. But my next, this one is going to be a very big one for me, and I love the fact that this is a big priority for Thrive. Okay? We are a family. We are a new church. A lot of us have been going through a process, planning this, and getting this ready for years. And now we are actually here, and it's amazing. We have a very solid community, but each and every one of us have to find our own community. We're not meant to go on this alone. Like, and I know we all have our individual time with God, and he is supposed to be the priority in our life. That is 100% correct. But there are going to be times where we are struggling and we are falling, and we're not able to keep ourselves up, and somebody else has to advocate for us. And so as you're looking for your priority, and you need to find it, we have a solid one here. And Pastor David's going to go through and tell you about the small groups of things that are happening. I, I'm strongly, strongly encourage you guys to find one to work. But I'm going to give you a couple guidelines on how to find the community that's going to help you achieve this. Number one, your community has to be upward focused. What I mean by that is they have to have their eyes on God, not at you, not at anyone else. They are going in the same direction and having the same goals as you. It might not have to be the same ministry. It might not have to be the same talents or skill sets. But they have to be somebody who is dedicated to serving God the same, if not more, than you. Because there are plenty of nice people in the world. There are plenty of people who will have your back, who they will talk to you. They will be there if you need them. But if they are not based in Christ, then it turns into just another self-help book. It turns into just another minor fix. It's somebody that I can, who can give me a hug and someone that can be there in the moment, but they're not able to help me get back on track or get to the point where I can actually get some closure or something that will actually heal me through those challenges. 
they're going to become God to me more than God is going to be because they're right there, they're accessible, and they're giving me the attention and feedback that I want. If they're not pointing us back to Christ, that's a problem. Number two. They have to be qualified. And I know when I say qualified, people roll their eyes or they get a little concerned. Here's my point. I did skip a point, so thanks for catching that. God brings people into our lives to fill certain roles. For a lot of us, there have been roles that have been filled throughout our entire lives. And unfortunately, there are people who have roles that have not been filled or have not been filled well. Bob and Shelley will be excellent examples of telling you that they're dealing with a lot of kids and a lot of people who have had situations because they didn't have the right people in their lives or people that were in the situation that were not qualified to take it. As Christians, it's not going to do me any good if I'm just finding people who are less serious, not going about it, they're just halfway through. It's not going to help me grow in my faith if I'm hanging with them or expecting them to be the community that I need. You have to have people that are qualified, who are capable of filling those roles. And, and honestly, they got to be people you can be fully transparent with. It's not, and, and that's where it gets even trickier is because it's not going to be appropriate for some of us to go and try to find that in certain people. I'll be honest, Bree is one of my good friends, but it's not right for me to lean on her because she's not in the position to be that type of accountability for me. Dave, that's a different story. Victor, that's a different story. James, Logan, all of these guys, they're able to do that. Why? Because we're facing similar struggles and God has designed it to be that way. We, if we look in God's word right here, and it, it says... Uh, Let's see, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath no, have not another to help him up. I can use this as, a, I wasn't going to do this, but I saw an example of it, and so I'm going to do it. Hey, Kari, can you come up here a second? Brenna, can you come up here a second? Let's see, who else am I going to pick on? Kinsey! <laughs> All right. So, we talked about how if, we, if they fall, they're going to help hold them up, right? So, if, let's just say, I was just going to launch myself at a random point, and they're expected to hold me up. Does this look like a good idea? So, if I, like, just jump... One of them was ready. <laughs> the others were not. But they can, they're there. They can fill the role, but they are not prepared to take the weight. They're not capable of taking the responsibility. Why? Because they're not built for that. They're not designed for it. And if I were to jump, most likely, I'm getting hurt, <laughs> and so are they. <laughs> but you guys can take a seat real quick. If I was to get Shane up here, that, that's a yes. If I was to get Victor up here, if I was to get Jordan up here, yeah, you think you're sitting? I think we can do it. 
You know what, James, why don't you get up here too? <laughs> I'm just feeling, I, 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 I trust them, but you know what, this could end really bad. And if it's James, at least it's going to be a funny story. So, okay. <laughs> now with them, y'all ready? You're actually going to throw? Yeah, I mean, so, like, I, this is how it's, I know, crazy, right? This is how it's supposed to look. Because now this makes more sense, because if you have the right community around you, they're able to handle the weight. And so regardless of the timing, if I'm just to jump real quick, <laughs> yeah, and they'll catch me. But, <laughs> All right, y'all can let me down now. <laughs> you guys can take a seat. Thank you, guys. But I think I've made the point that you have to find people who are able to be there with you. It's not going to be just anybody. I can go and talk to you. You guys can come and talk to me. You guys can ask me to pray for you, and I'm going to do that. But you have to have the people around you who know you well enough, who are able to connect with you, hold you accountable, hold you to the standards, and honestly call you out when you need it so that when you fall, they're able to catch you and hold you up. That's the type of community that we're looking for. That's what God has designed it. And Daniel, good grief did he have a community. You, you read through the book of Daniel, and there's three other guys that he was connected with closely, and that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't think I have to lean in and tell you too much about their character or their story. But you can compare them. Like, you see theirs, and you see Daniel's. Two different stories, similar challenges, similar resolve, similar character. You are who you hang around. If you're going to hang around lackluster people who just want to coast by and be halfway in and out, you will end up being a halfway in and out person. If you are going to hang around people who are just comfortable in mediocrity, comfortable in their sin, not wanting to take their faith seriously, you will end up being someone who doesn't take your faith seriously. But if you want to be somebody who is so resolved, so committed, and open to what God is doing, that you want to just trust him completely and let him take charge and take you in a direction you didn't plan on going, if you find those people and surround yourself with those people, that's who you will end up being. God designed us for community. The church is a big part of that, but it's supposed to be that intimate circle too. Like Dave said, I was at Winter Jam last night, and it's an amazing thing when you hear thousands of people singing praise to God. It's an amazing thing, and you get, the emotions get going, and everything just feels right, and you're like, okay, the world is not as bad as I thought it was. But then we get out of there, and life hits again. I can probably find some of the people that were at Winter Jam, but they're not going to be able to know me the way these guys do. Find your community. The last point, stay the course. It's not a sprint, it is a marathon. God doesn't tell us that it's going to be easy. He never said that it was going to be simple. He never said we were going to be enjoying it. In fact, he actually said quite the opposite. Because he says, if the world hates you, just remember they hated me first. That there will be trials, there will be tribulations, but take heart for I have overcome the world. That's the God we serve. And many of us, man, we get caught up in like we want things right away. We want things fixed now, and that's not always how God works. Like we pray for healing, and we want God to move right away, and then it doesn't happen, and we question if he's paying attention. Because we read about it in the Bible, how he just looked at somebody and they got up and walked. That's the same God we're serving today. That hasn't changed. That's not going to change. That's how it is. But his plan is different than ours. 
Sometimes it's meant, it has a purpose or a reason why we go through the things that we do. It's not our spot to decide what's right. It's not our spot to decide when it goes off the track. We have to trust him and stay consistent with it. Daniel survived this endeavor. He ended up working his way up and becoming a close advisor to a king. And because he stayed in his routine where he found his time to be with God, he did it daily. So his priority, the first thing he did in the morning was he made God his priority. And it got to a point where the people around him, they had no other way to attack him except through his faith. Because he was so tied in with his faith, his identity was not found in his position, in his title, in his social group. It was found in his God. And so he, he got attacked for it. And they ended up throwing him into a lion's den. And through all of that, he trusted God. And at the end of the story, God did something he never expected. My encouragement to you all as we go into this 90-day challenge, as we go into this new season, honestly, as we just go into the new week, God's got a plan for you. He's got, a, he's got things in store that we don't always get to see. We put 2,000 door hangers out in, an out in a community. It would be amazing if we had all 2,000 of them come back and we hear from them and we see God moving in a crazy way. Is it likely? I don't know. But we don't know the seed that God's planted. We, we did our part. It's out there. And we're going to be here and we're going to support them any way we can. But we don't always get to see it. And so if in Daniel 6, 26 through 28, we're going to hear how Daniel's story kind of wraps up. Because this is after the king came back and he yelled, they rolled the stone away from the lion's head. And the king yells out to him, Daniel, servant of the living God, are you still, this is the Stephen version, by the way, don't quote me on this. He's like, are you still alive down there? And Daniel yells back, yes, king, I'm, I'm here. You know, the same God who I serve, he has kept me safe and he shut the mouths of the lions. And this is how the king responded. He said, I make a decree. Not in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. He is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that shall, which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even until the end. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in, her, and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? That's the God we serve. That's the God we trust. That's the God who is at our disposal. That's the God who died on a cross for you and I, proving that we are valued more than anything the world can offer. The same God who is able to open the, <laughs> open the tomb and walk out. The same God who clothed the mouth of lions, who protected men in a fiery furnace. That's the God that we serve. And these guys did not know that this was going to be what they went through. They were put in these situations because they stayed consistent with God. They trusted him with it and he was the number one priority. If you do that, we're going to run into obstacles. We're going to run into challenges. There will be people who get offended if we are living like Christ. But the truth is, I really don't care. That's right. I'm, I'm the type of person I will shoot straight with you. Some of you, I'm sorry because I have shot too straight with you and I might have offended some people. Yeah, <laughs> but this is where our confidence is found. Daniel did not know that because he was putting his priorities in line and checking and talking to God daily and pursuing him that he was going to have the year of a king. He didn't know he was going to end up in the lion's den. 
He didn't know any of these challenges were going to come. He was serving God daily, and God put him in the situations that he needed to be in to make a difference. So I don't know what those challenges are for you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how serious it is for you. I, 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 that's not my place to judge or to decide. This is going to be on you. But I want you to remember that if you put your faith in God, you trust him with all of this, you give him 100%, he will provide a, pre, a peace in the craziest of circumstances. I can just imagine Daniel lying down there and taking a nap with the lions. Like, I, that blows my mind. Like, move over, Simba. I, just, I need the space right here. Like, it's crazy. But he can give us that peace. We live in a society that's focused on anxiety and stress. We serve a God who offers peace. He will move in ways you never expect. You don't know what conversations you're going to have. You don't know whose path you're going to cross. You don't know who God is going to bring into your life. You don't know. He does. Best thing we can do is try to stay as ready as we can for it. And finally, he will open doors that we do not deserve. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve this opportunity. I don't deserve to be able to talk to God the way I do. I don't deserve any of it. And neither do you. But he loves us enough. And as Victor and Annalise come up, what? Oh, yeah. He's proven to us that it doesn't matter what we think our worth is. He loves us enough. We just read the passage that a king who witnessed God's power was blown away. That's the same God who we serve and we connect with daily. And this song that they're about to sing, it talks about the gratitude that we, we should have and we should feel when we recognize what all God's done for us. If we're going into this 90-day challenge, it's not because I'm trying to prove anything to me. It's because, God, you've done so much for me already that I'm now going to put the effort in and try to get where you want me to be.